Who uh, got an Easter egg this morning? Anyone? A few people got an Easter egg, you know, celebrating Easter. That's good. But Easter eggs. Well, it's good to uh, be here this morning and uh, celebrate uh, the resurrection with you. Um, I think this is most probably my 18th, 19th year. You guys lose count? of how long you've uh, been journeying with Jesus. So I'd just say anywhere between 18 and 20, it makes it easier for me. I'm not sure if it's an Alzheimer's thing or what it is or just lazy. Um, but um, yeah, it's easy to say you've been a Christian for one or two years. That's real simple. And I remember when I was a Christian for the first year, I'm thinking, and this guy was, I was talking to, he'd been a Christian for 15 years. And I used to think, 15 years? Will I make it? Whoa, that just seemed so long ago. And uh, yeah, well, I made it, praise God, by His grace, amen, amen. to that. It was only by His grace. My wife was uh, sitting there before uh, holding my hand and saying, where would we be now if we didn't find God? I said, we'd be in the pit of trouble. I know that. I know that, that we would be there. And um, so... So it's good to be able to celebrate with you uh, this morning, uh, Jesus and all that he is. We've got some uh, folk from Borkham Hills here that are celebrating with us. And uh, um, so, yes, just welcome them. And uh, there's Joe there. Some of you might know Joe. He's spoken here before. And uh, Joe came to faith in the same church that I came to faith in. And he's still going strong for Jesus. Amen to that. And uh, he's just telling me now, before, his brother's uh, now in India. And um, that's good to hear, real good to hear. I rang up a friend just the other day, and they, um, he, he's now uh, doing children's pastoring. He, he must be about 45, 50, whoa. And he's a children's pastor. I'm thinking, whoa, that's keen. That's keen. That's one ministry God doesn't seem to have put on my heart, kind of like big time. Uh, as in me doing, I did do it for a little while. I suppose I could say I'm a children's pastor. I've got four kids, and uh, that takes a lot of work. Uh, but, you know, I suppose when you go up there, you can just preach and go away. Whereas uh, when you've got children, they never go away. They keep going. <laughs> yeah, come on, Dad. Yeah, well, it's funny, this morning my little daughter had an Easter egg. And um, I said, oh, darling, can I have some? And she happily gave me, she, well, she, what she did is she tipped out the little dregs that were in the hollow of the egg. And she gave me some, <clears throat> which I was very thankful for. And then uh, a little bit later, she, uh, she comes past again. And I'm thinking, well, that wasn't much. So, uh, hey, darling, can I have some more of your Easter egg? Oh, okay. You know, with real reluctance to, to really distribute. So she breaks off and she gives me a tiny few pieces. And um, so, oh, she's got an Easter egg that big, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm getting dregs, you know? And... But that's what kids are for, aren't they? You receive back off them later, I hear. Is that right? Yeah. Be positive. Right? Yeah. I heard, you know, I'll double their rent one day and it'll be simple. I can retire early. Um, but anyway, it's, so it is good to, to celebrate uh, Easter with friends and people that, that want to celebrate what Easter is all about. Brett was saying uh, before, you know, he was just talking about, uh, I suppose, spending time in the presence of God. And uh, I had that opportunity this morning 
um, due to that I went into the car at 8 o'clock to um, come down to the church. And I got a phone call and was uh, my daughter. She's phoning me from, you know, I'm outside. She's inside the kitchen. I'm thinking, you should just get out and run. She's phoning me anyway. And she says, Dad, do you know it's only 8 o'clock? Oh, yeah, I'm early. So I, got, I thought, yes. I get to go back inside, and I got, went back inside and just sat on the couch and enjoyed the presence of God. So I don't know. Anyone here come early this yeah. morning? Yeah. We, yeah, 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 early. There you go. They got found out. They got found out. Okay. Anyone else come early? Okay, Denise. Okay. <laughs> There's a few people. Denise, Joe. Denise's not here now, eh? Oh, she texts me, and I'm wondering, wow, she texts me early. Okay, so she's gone somewhere else. Okay. <laughs> so they were here. Anyway, why don't we um, just rise? Let's stand, and we're going to pray together. And, and maybe let's just put our, our hand on, on each other's shoulder, on, your, on your, the person to your left. Just put your hand on the person to your left shoulder. And uh, yeah, to your, to your left. doesn't matter what I'm doing. What I'm saying is what you hear. Okay, and let's just... Let's just uh, celebrate being here together this morning. God, thank you for the person next to us. Thank you that we could celebrate your resurrection together. Amen? God, and we want to come into your presence this morning, and we want to know what you have for us, God. Father, you're alive, you're not dead, and we celebrate a resurrected Lord and God. And Father, we don't want to be in the place of doubt with Thomas, but we want to be in the place where we say, my Lord and my God. And Father, we want to come to a place, Lord, where the only thing that matters is you. Nothing else. So Jesus, this morning, give us a revelation of who you are. Give us a community of people that want to see that. And Father, I pray that in the days ahead, we would see greater works than we've ever seen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please be seated. I'm wondering, is there anyone here this morning um, that this is their first time, this is their first year celebrating Easter as a new believer? Is there anyone here? I know that might be a bit harder. Than anyone? Yeah, we got one. Okay, cool. Anyone else? We got two. Okay, two. Cool. She didn't put her hand up, but it's good you put your hand up for her. Okay. It's like... I suppose it's come back, you know, you're, you got here early. Debbie, you know. Um, yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Jesus has more for you guys. Jesus would want to reveal more than just what you've already seen. You know, I get excited about what God's going to show me over the coming years. Because I think, wow, I'm getting a bit of a taste of God right now. But I'm wondering what the years to come up. And uh, for those that have, 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 have most really been in the faith just one year, and this is their first Easter, it could be a month, it could be a day, it could be, you know, six months that you've come to know Jesus. Just imagine what Jesus is going to be like in 15 years. You know, the, the thing is, you think you knew Jesus when you were one year old in the faith or two years old in the faith. You think that you knew Jesus when you're five years old in the faith. I think when you get to 18, you start to realize, I don't know much at all. I've got to keep digging into the presence of God so I can re- he can reveal more of himself. And I find that, that God has so much that you can never get enough. 
never. And this morning, I just want to just speak a little bit on the craziness of what happened on that, 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 that first Easter or that first time uh, when, when, when things started getting a bit out of control. Uh, th- there was this, this, this craziness that, that started kind of like catapulting towards uh, uh, into the history that we now know it. But things just started kind of looking a little bit kind of weird, okay, as Jesus has spent three years with them. And uh, craziness, I think, should be the name of the game when it comes to Christianity. Um, because there's, there's a sense of, uh, well, people believe we're crazy anyway, so we kind of get over that real quick. But there's a real craziness to Christianity. And uh, uh, when you start looking at what faith really is, it really is something that is totally out of the box of what every, anyone does in this day and age. And I can see why Jesus says that there's not many that are going to want to take that path. And, and so we're looking at this area of craziness. And a, a few weeks ago, I was uh, reading... Uh, this article where they said in America this security uh, van, this, this money security van, was going along the freeway, and somehow <clears throat> about $100,000 dropped out of the back in a box or something like that, and the box broke open, and uh, the money just went everywhere. And uh, this was on a freeway, and uh, before you knew it, Every man and his dog that was around that money had stopped their cars. They said there was mayhem on the freeway. And, and, and people, uh, one, one observer said, people like never before had, 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 had just started running and, and they were on top of each other and people were grabbing as much money as they could. I, I mean, I'm sure you would do it, you know what I mean? You'd be just jumping. Woo! Boom! Got my handfuls. You know, put them in the pockets, you know. Jump again. Woo! Boom! You know, put, just stuff them anywhere, you know. Try and try, kind of like maybe put some rope around the bottom of your jeans so that when you can stuff them down your pants, you know what I mean, you've got somewhere to hold on to this stuff because you've got to get it before everyone else gets it. You know, and so they just, this lady said she'd never seen anything like it before in her life. People were jumping on top of everyone else just to get money. The, the freeway had come to a complete standstill. I mean, that is crazy what people would do for $100,000. And, and so then they, um, they put out a, uh, a, a, a kind of like a, a thing to say, hey, you know, it would be possible if we could return the money. You know, it was kind of like from a big security van, you know, one of those armor guard vans that goes and collects money. And, and they got about, out of the $100,000, they got about $10,000 back. And so they're going to just have to count that as a loss. So there's like, you know, $90,000 out there that some people just got for free. You know what I mean? And people think, wow, all my Christmases have come at once. But there's this craziness to it. You know, isn't it amazing how that, uh, you know, when we, we get someone like ACDC, you know, kind of like the rock band of the 70s, young people, if you've never heard of them before, they're around in the 70s, okay? And if you think they're cool, okay, cool. You know, they are old, they are gray, kind of like, you know, but they, they come around, and people camp out at night just to get a ticket. They camp out. I mean, come on. Those guys were there in the 70s. This was the first tape my dad ever got me was ACDC. You know, and so people camp out all night just so they can get a ticket to go and see ACDC. Isn't it interesting how, how people flock to something that, that is, is one day just going to very much perish into eternity. 
Bon Scott's already perished into eternity. The lead singer, only after a few years of becoming famous, perished into eternity. Yet people flock to get these tickets. People flock to get this money. When, when Powerball comes out and, and it's become like worth 40 or $50 million or, or whatever it is, it's the talk of the town, you know? Hey, you got a ticket, you know? Are you going to buy a ticket? You know, this, this could be the big one, you know? And uh, people will kind of like, will, will, will do anything they can just to make sure that they're, they're in there with a chance to somehow gain all this money or whatever it's going to be. When someone comes into town that's famous and, and has some kind of like personality on TV, people flock to go and see it. We spend millions of dollars when someone like Tiger Woods comes and plays golf and everyone wants to make sure they get a ticket to flock. Come on, I mean, we got, we're starting to, you know, I'm, I think I'm, I'm starting to look at the reality and the, forgive me, but the stupidity of this, that we would flock by the thousands to watch a guy play golf that has committed adultery with his wife, that has somehow a, a, a character that's very blemished and as more and more has, has come up, we've realized that this guy's not as good as his sporting prowess puts out to be. But internally, there's a real character, character flaw. But, but we would flock to go and see him swing a golf club, a stick. We would flock to see him swing a stick. I mean, you know, what is it with the stick? Craziness, isn't it? It's just, just it's madness. You know, I don't see people flocking to Jesus. Somehow I don't see us flocking to the things of God all the time. You know, I think Jesus, on that first day, there was a sense of, 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 of fear. There was a sense of doubt. There was a sense of expectation. I mean, what was going through those ladies' minds as they're running to the grave? They're saying, most probably going through their mind is, if this is true what he said, he should be there. He should be alive. But what if he's not? I mean, there'd be like millions of thoughts going through their minds. What if the, the, the person we just spent our last three years is gone? Or what if he's actually standing in front of us? We saw him at the cross and he died in front of us. So what is it now? And so there's this mind. And, and there's Peter and the one that Jesus loved the most running to the grave. And the scripture says that, that, that uh, Peter got outrun. He could never get outspoken. But he got outrun. And, and they get to the grave. And you know, I don't see this craziness in, in our society where people are running to see the things of God. And I think if there's going to be a little bit of craziness in our society, it's us making that effort, spending our energy, as the Word of God says on the things that are eternal, spending our energy running to the things of God. Running. Not running away which we every now and then do when we're kind of like going through a hard time. But geez, this was a hard time. The person that had just given them everything to live for, the Messiah, the chosen one, the miraculous one, the one who had risen someone from the dead, the one that had healed the blind, the one that had cured diseases, the one who had done so much amongst them and, and given them so much hope had now at this time disappeared. That's a hard thing to go through. It's like just losing someone that you've, you've, you've just given so much 
effort and energy and, and emotion and relationship to. This person that you put up there and said, this person is, is giving me so much hope. And now he leaves. They're going through a hard time. This would be hard. Most probably for some of us, as hard as it is to watch even, you know, when our, when our little girl or boy goes to school for the very first time, oh, they're going to school, you know. It's hard. Will they last? Will they hack it? You know, hey, hey, goodbye, mom. Cool. We're going. No, we're not going. Yeah, I'm going. Oh, I'm out of the home. <laughs> yes. You know, we're going through this emotional time. You know, I don't know what it's like necessarily to go through a relational breakup, but I could imagine it's real hard. It's real hard. I know what it's like to lose a brother or a sister. I know what it's like at the moment to be on the verge of maybe losing my dad. That's hard. It's not easy. And here, right there in Jerusalem, the people that Jesus had spent all his time with, building them up, giving them hope, encouraging them, getting them excited about the kingdom. We're going to build the kingdom. Yes. Spend your energy. Yes. He's gone. And now, they're running to see what's going to happen. See, sometimes... Instead of running towards Jesus when we're going through a hard time, we start running away from the things that will help us. The grave is where they had to go to confirm the good news. They, they weren't sure. There was still doubt. There was still a lack of faith, people, just like us. There's still a lack of faith. There's still doubt. But, but, they, but they were running to confirm their faith. They were running to the places that were going to build them up. See, we need to run to the places that are going to encourage our faith. Amen? We need to run where Jesus is going to make us alive in our faith. We should not run away from it. Peter got outrun. Some of us get outrun because we don't even start running. We stay and we sit. And we go, oh, oh, I'm just, it's too hard. Or, oh, I've been too hurt. Or, oh, it's just, you know, it's not me. I don't feel right. Oh, it's just kind of not today. But, but we should be at least like Peter. Oh, I'm slagging by. We should at least be going where our faith is going to be tested. Our faith is going to be put on the edge. Man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of these ladies running to the grave, and they're most probably thinking, we don't know what to expect. But you know what? We're going to expect something. We've heard about it for the last three years. He's talked to us about it, but we're going to go, and we're going to see what's really going to happen. See, if you're one year in the faith, you should just keep running. Just keep running. And whenever something really kind of really bogs you down and really gets at you, just, just keep running, will you? Don't, don't. Go to the places, go to the people that are gonna, they're going to challenge your faith. They're going to bring you to the edge and say, well, why don't you look at the grave and see if Jesus will still work? Why don't you actually have a look to see if God could actually do something in your life? See, when they got to the grave... One of the guys that got there first before Peter, he stopped. 
And there was, maybe there was a sense of, ooh, I'm not sure if I want to look in there. See, there, there, there's this real whole sense of, of, of excitement that they're going through. There's this real craziness that they're going But here he goes, you know, I'm not sure. He just stands there. And, I don't know if I really want to look, you know. Scared to test, you know. But here's Peter. Oh, I have a look. You know, Peter, not there. And there's some of us there. We're, we're right there on the grave, and we're too scared to test our faith anymore. We're too scared. There's a sense of doubt. What if, maybe this, what if God is wrong? God is never wrong. I've tested him after 15, 20, 18 years, and I've found that he's never wrong. He might not be what I wanted, but he's never wrong. It might be different than what I wanted, but Peter, he was just willing to have a peek around the corner and say, you know what? I'm going to look and confirm my faith. I'm going to look and I'm going to build my faith up. I'm going to look and I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm going to push myself around the corner where I can't see necessarily, but I'm going to push to see what Jesus has for me around the corner. Or are you going to stay with the other guy who loved Jesus so much, supposedly, but he waited. And there was a little bit of, I'm not sure that I really want to look around and see what God has for me next. But Jesus is saying, just come in and look. Come in and take of me. Come in and see the stone had been rolled away. It, there was now every opportunity for any person who ever wanted to come to a place where they could see the depths of God's love. The, the, the heavens had been opened, man. The heavens are open for you and me. Where we can come to the throne of God and we can come because Jesus opened the door for us because the stone got rolled away for us. But some of us are still outside the grave and we're thinking, there's doubt. There's a lack of faith. There's a little bit of us saying, standing outside and us living in fear. You can stand there all day. But if you never peek to see the fullness and the greatness of, of you, if you never walk around the corner, you'll never get to see it. You've got to walk. That's the only way you'll see it. You've got to walk by faith. You've got to walk under the guidance and the direction of the Spirit of God. Your flesh should want to stay here because it's comfortable outside the grave. It's kind of, it looks dark in there, but as you go in, there's light, you see? As you walk into the grave, there's light. There's illumination because Jesus is alive. And then you start, wow, he's real. He works. He is alive. I can't trust him. This is benefiting my life. Just as my wife just said right then, she said, darling, where would we be if we didn't have Jesus? And I knew one thing, we'd be nowhere. We'd be in the pit, the pit of destruction. Oh, yeah, okay, I might have my fancy cars or whatever I want, ever wanted. I might have all, all, all the things that I kind of fleshly dream around. I might have those, but I know this. We'd most likely be a mess. We'd be right there in the pit. Because I'd have no grace to empower me to live a life that acknowledges Jesus and the wisdom of God. See, I need wisdom to live. And, I, and only as I, I keep peeking around the corner does God give me the gems of wisdom that I need 
to trust. See, there was some excitement that day. I, I, think we need, I think we need to run to the grave, not run away, not stay, but we need to run to find the truths of God. Some of us, we hold back too much. We stop running. We stop walking. Don't stop. The Word of God says, walk in the Spirit. You've got to walk. The Word of God says that, that, that we must walk by faith. The Word of God says that, that, that works and faith go together. That, that, that's a consistent running, a consistent walking. Don't stop. There was excitement that day, and I believe that we, as individuals, need to get excited about the Word of God. We need to get excited that Jesus is risen again. I think there was something else that was happening there. There was all this uneasiness, obviously, that was happening. I mean, I try and think about it in my mind. What would I go through? Would I actually take up Jesus' challenge? Would I take up the challenge that he said, you know, in three days I'll rise again? Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll believe that. I, I believe that, you know. I'll, I'll, if you say you'll rise again, I'll come, and, I'll come and visit you at the grave. What would you do? Jesus asked us to tithe, and we struggle with that. Jesus asked us to love someone that doesn't like us, and we struggle with that. Oh, yeah, but I could believe that if Jesus said to me he'd rise again from the third day, that I'd believe him. Jesus, Jesus asked us to, to, to share our faith, and we struggle with that. Jesus asked us to, to bring our gifts to the body of Christ so that the body of Christ could be built up and could be flourished. And some of us struggle, oh, but, but you know, that's not me. Oh, I live a personal faith. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, I live it out of my home in my bedroom by, all the time by myself. Oh, yeah. Just trying to find where that one works in the Bible. Haven't found it yet. Oh, I've got my own faith. Oh, your own faith. Oh, yeah, but I'd believe it if Jesus said he'd rise from the dead in three days. But we struggle to really inject ourselves into the body of Christ and show the fullness of who God really wants to be in us. We struggle to tithe. We struggle to love. We struggle to forgive. We struggle to show mercy. But we can believe something so big. I think if we fail and struggle to believe the smallest of God's promises, it's going to be hard for us to really believe the bigger things of God's promises. Faith is simple, but it's so powerful. It's so easy. But the craziest thing, it's actually so hard because it takes us out of our zone and into God's zone. It takes us out of our zone and into his zone where he's in control and we're not in control. See, it's hard for me to say I'm sorry because the reality is sometimes I don't ever think I'm wrong. But God says, you know what? I think sorry deserves to be said here. I think healing needs to happen here. I think hurt needs to be recognized. And God wants us to go through those little steps of faith. Because when we take those little steps of faith, when we look around the corner and see that beyond this world and into the next, there is something greater. When we see and take little steps of faith, God 
enlarges us to take greater steps of faith. And when we see the smallest, smallness of the kingdom of God, I believe that God shows us greatness of the kingdom of God. There was excitement that day. There, there was a lot going through their mind. There's a, there's a lot going through my mind. I, I was, this morning I'm sitting there and I'm trying to think, I'm just trying to get a picture of what these guys are going through. I'm just trying to get a picture of how it works out in my own life. There, there was a sense of uneasiness. This would not have been easy to just run to the grave and say, yes, oh, see, just as we believed. I don't think that was really going through their mind. See, we question and doubt if God has really got great plans for us. We question and doubt that. But he says that he has. We question and doubt that God will feed us just like he feeds the sparrows. That he will clothe us just like he clothed the sparrows every day. We question and doubt. There's a real sense of uneasiness in us. But you know what? We have to run to the grave with excitement. This, this is crazy what they're doing. Even Paul, when I think of the words in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I think this guy is crazy. He says there that he would want to experience the power of the resurrection. I, I can handle that. Amen? I can handle experiencing the power of the resurrection. I mean, I want that. I want, I want to experience, yeah, how Jesus came alive and, and in me is this life of God and in me I can do these things that Jesus says I can do. I want to experience that. But he says, you know, then he goes on to this crazy things and, and he says, you know, but then, you know what, I've, got, I've kind of got to go through some suffering as well. And, and if I can kind of like go through some of the suffering, if, if I can kind of experience some of how Christ died, then what, what will happen as I experience some of what Christ did in dying, as, as I experience kind of like a death within me, I'll experience the greatness of the power of the resurrection. 3, 11 and 10. 10 and 11, sorry. I want to suffer with him. See, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power. Amen. Stop there. Let's just stop there. But then he goes on and he says, but I want to suffer with him, you know? I want to share in his death. Oh, yeah, that seems real exciting. Okay, so that I, one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I think, whoa, now he's getting a little bit crazy. I can take the good stuff, the power, you know, the faith to move mountains, you know, the faith to, to love the people that hate you. You know what I mean? That faith, I can experience that and I want that, that powerful resurrection. In me, the, the faith to kind of like, kind of have the faith to share boldly. Someone come to faith and believe that they will. And right in front of you, they just give their life to Jesus. I, look, I can do that and I can experience that and I can want that. But then he says, but, but to also kind of suffer. So as I'm suffering, as I'm dying, what I'm actually doing is I'm going to experience more of his power within me. The life. See, God is going to want us to somehow go through a bit of a deadness of ourselves. He's going to want us to kind of suffer in a sense some of the things that stop us. And, and he allows us to go through kind of that so that we can actually experience something better. 
He says that we've got to die to ourselves. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. If that grain of, grain of wheat never died, it would just stand there by itself forever. And it would never, ever reproduce anything better. But God says, no, that grain of wheat has to die. It's got to fall into the ground. And as its seeds kind of blossom in the ground, more comes up. Just comes up everywhere. So there's got to be that, that, that death of suffering. This is not about me. This is about the resurrection and the life of Jesus. I think that's what the suffering is. The suffering is us saying, this is not about me. This is all about Jesus. And that's why we find it hard to suffer. Because at the reality of the foot of it, we're saying, you know what? It'd be good if some of it was about me. It'd be good. Look, I just want my own little room, God. Just give me a bit of space for me. Keep the Christians at bay. Just give me me. Keep, keep all the non-Christians way over there. And I'm not just do Christianity in my time when I want and how I want. I don't think it works like that. I don't see any of the disciples getting to live like that. They did, they tried. We're just going to go fishing. And they caught nothing. Their life went nowhere. And Jesus says, hey, why are you throwing net on the other side? Whoa. Peter went, well, what am I doing? You guys, you guys got pick up the fish. You guys are in the wrong. You know, they're in the world. I'm going to run to Jesus. You know, he realized he was so wrong. It just, it just, Jesus hadn't been alive long. He's back in the boat and he's fishing. He's fishing for the things of the world. He's not catching anything. He's slowly spiritually dying. His life is going nowhere. He doesn't know where his life's at. He's just sitting in the boat and he's not even catching anything. I mean, come on. At least when you go fishing, catch something. That's why I don't like fishing. Because every time I go, I catch nothing. What, what is it about fishing? Someone tell me the good side of fishing. There is a Amen. <laughs> so I go fishing for men. Well, I just, if I go to the fish and chip shop, guaranteed a catch and it's fried within five minutes, five bucks. <laughs> I can't go wrong. Spend all day on a boat, get nothing, come home. You've you got to go and cook something up. Go down to the fish and chip shop, five bucks, five minutes, there you go. Fresh. A week ago. <laughs> but there was a sense of dying so that he experienced the life. And you know what? You know, if, if, if you're not experiencing life, if you're not experiencing the power of the resurrection, that's life. The joy of God, the energy of God, the mercy of God, the love of God. If you're not experiencing that life, you're not suffering. You're holding on to who you are. You're holding on to what you want. You're holding on to your dreams. You're holding on to your desires. You're holding on to you. You're not, you're not letting it go. I'm not saying God's not going to give you some of the desires, but he'll give it to you. When he knows you're ready, not when you think you're ready. See, sometimes we, we, we're wanting things of God, but we're nowhere near ready. God wants to give us some of those things. He wants to bless us, but he knows it's just too early right now. He knows that, that if, if he releases 
some of his wisdom and the goodness and his blessings right into our lives now, he knows we'll fall away. It's like young Christians sometimes. You know, oh, I've been a Christian three months. Oh, I'm off. Evangelize the world. I can do this. I'm strong. I got it all together. Got me theology right. I know what faith is. They go off. A year later, boom, they fell. They're dying. They don't know what happened. Their faith is barren because they went too early. See, it's not that Jesus doesn't want to release us into the world. He does, but he knows the time that we're ready. He knows the time that he has to give us some things. See, Moses was never ready for leadership when he was in Egypt. If anything, he was kind of like not doing what he needed to do. So God took him away from Egypt for a while to teach him what leadership is. Here, look after some sheep. There's leadership. That's not, you know. Then he says, you know, Moses, you've been here for over 30 years now. You've got it together. Now go back and lead my people out of Egypt. God knows when you're ready for some things. God knows when he has to give you certain things. When you're ready for maybe greater leadership. When you're ready for greater faith. When you're ready. He knows. Now, you don't stop asking. Always ask. He'll give it to you. But when he knows you're ready. Jesus says, you know, ask in my name and you will receive. But he says also, abide in me. Keep close first. Keep real close. When I know you're real connected, when I know that you're going to trust me in every way, in every decision, in every hard time, that when you're that close, then I'm going to release it into you. But when I know you're kind of like a little bit distant, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to hold it back a little bit now. I want to give it to you, but I'm just holding back. And so God wants us to experience the fullness of the power of the resurrection. Man, I get excited about that verse because I want to experience the power of the resurrection. Amen? You want to experience that? Oh, I just think about that and my mind goes nuts. It goes crazy, man. I can just sit there all day thinking about the power of the resurrection. I'm like, whoo, Jesus came alive. He rose from the dead. Yeah. Oh, I can do that. You know, we always debate, you know, if God asked us to raise someone from the dead, we'd be asking ourselves, do we want that person to come back from the dead? You get it? No, you didn't. That's all right. It's okay. I'll hold off on that one. Maybe you're not ready for it. But, you know, I think of that. But you've got to look at the verse before. And you've even got to go before that. I mean, after Paul says that I suffer some, so that I can experience this new life. I suffer what it is to be dead, so I can experience what it is to have life. But when you go to the few verses before that, he says, you know what? I leave all else behind. I leave my culture behind. I leave my, 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 I leave my calling as an individual, as a person that was raised in the Hebrew. I leave that all behind. As a person that was raised in the Hebrew family, I leave that all behind. I, I, leave, leave, I leave my status behind. 
who I was in that culture. If I thought I was a somebody, he says, you know what, I'm a nobody. I count it all but rubbish, I count it all but dung. I leave all that behind and I press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Are you prepared to leave it all behind so you can experience the power of his resurrection? If you don't know what it is to experience the power of his resurrection, then you've got to start leaving some stuff behind. You've got to start to allow yourself to suffer in a sense that you would become dead, your dreams, your desires would become dead, and you would just let yourself attach right into Jesus, and you would experience his power because you left stuff behind. There was a certain amount of excitement. There was a certain amount of experiences that Paul wanted. These were crazy stuff that was going on. And I don't believe that that crazy stuff was for them. I believe that that crazy stuff was for today. If we, if we have to be kind of like really nice and polite in this culture because that's what our culture has created, I believe that the Jewish culture had a real etiquette of being polite. It had a real etiquette of being nice. They were very well-mannered people. God had given them a lot of commands on how they should treat each other and how they should act, even how they should sit down at the table. Every festival, everything was in order for this culture. You couldn't fault them when it came to their culture and being proper and being prim. They were a very well-attentive kind of culture. But Jesus changed that in the new covenant and he turned them into crazy people. Because he now made them look at something that they couldn't see and something that they had to fully trust that was living within them. And you have to experience God's love within you and God's calling within you so you can experience the power and the craziness of the resurrection of not just Jesus, people, this is not what you're, just, you're experiencing. You're not just experiencing the resurrection. You're not just reflecting on the resurrection of Jesus. You are actually reflecting and experiencing the resurrection of your own life. Your life being resurrected from the dead, from nothing, into something. That is what God wants you to experience. And that was crazy. And it's crazy when you come up to a child and, and you, you come up to a person and you say, hey, do you want to go to heaven? Yeah. Easiest inroad in the Bible. You want to go to heaven? Who's going to say no? Oh, nah. You want to go to heaven? Yeah. Good. Give up your life and give it to Jesus. No. See, that's crazy. It's nuts. No one wants to do that. That's why it's a miracle of God that not that Jesus rose from the dead, but it's a miracle of God that your life has risen from the dead and Jesus would give you a new life. That's crazy. The power of the resurrection in you. And God wants you to have those experiences. He, he wants you to live just, just, just like uh, as crazy as Peter. I don't know what it is about this guy. But see, there was these experiences they had. They had this uneasiness that was happening. 
They had this excitement that was happening, but there was also these expectations that were happening everywhere. I mean, you know, Peter, he kind of like, he, he, he kind of throws it out to Jesus at the end of John's chapter of the book of John, and he says, you know, who is it, Jesus, that's going to betray you? It's, it, I mean, come on. Why would he throw that question to Jesus when he was the one not long ago that had denied him? And he's saying, it won't be me. Huh? Come on, man. Remind yourself. See, there's this expectation. And so Peter now is expecting all this stuff of everyone else. And you know, what's going to happen when, when Christianity becomes a bit crazy is that and when these crazy things start happening around you, 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 sometimes we start becoming a little bit expectant of what we want of others. That's what Peter was happening here. And I believe that, that Jesus was trying to get Peter to do one thing. He just kept saying, Peter, you just follow, will you? You just follow me. Follow me. Let me tell you, the easiest way to get discouraged in the church is to look around and see what everyone else is not doing. Amen? Don't look. <laughs> I don't do that, okay, all the time. But, but you know what? That, 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 that's, that is the easiest way to get discouraged. What's everyone not doing? Peter is saying that to Jesus. Who's the one that's going to betray you? I think he said in John chapter 21, where are we? He said, uh, uh, verse 20, 21, 20, uh, just in verse 19, Jesus told him, just follow me. And Peter turned around and he saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper, and he asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? What about him? Is it going to be him? Is it going to be him? I love, I love what Jesus had just done with him because he's just said to, to Peter, he said, Peter, just keep feeding my sheep, will you? Just keep feeding. You know, you, you, know, you don't, don't, don't have to look at what, what people are going to do wrong. That, that's a no-brainer. They're going to do wrongs, Okay. You can always guarantee that we're going to fall down every now and then. We're going to fail you, okay? You're going to be guaranteed that I'm going to let you know this now, that I'm going to fail you every now and then. I'm not going to be what you've always wanted me to be, okay, because I'm kind of normal like you, okay? Or abnormal. I don't know what you call normal, but maybe I'm abnormal for you and you're normal. I don't know. Or maybe I'm normal and you're abnormal. I'm not sure. I'm still figuring that out, you know? One day I'll get it. Get it? Okay, you don't. That's all right. Maybe because you're not normal. Okay, so, and so Peter's here, and he says, what about, what about him, Lord? Will he be the one to fail you? But Peter so simply, easily forgot what Jesus had just said to him. Peter just kept feeding the sheep. You know, when sheep are hungry, they just come to you. Sheep always eat. You see, you see, most times in a paddock when you see a sheep, for those that are Australian might not know this because I've seen it in New Zealand a few times, okay? <laughs> but when, when, they, they always got their head down eating. You know? They just eat. They just eat. And usually if something goes wrong with a sheep, you kill it. It's useless. I mean, it's, got a, it's got a fault. I don't see too many people trying to fix a sheep when it's got a broken leg. Boom. You're out of there, you know? And, and so, you know, it's got a heart disease. Boom, get rid of it. It's going to infect the flock. 
but, but, but the sheep just seem to be always eating. And God, it's just like God saying to Peter, the ones that keep eating, just keep feeding. The ones that just keep eating, just keep feeding. And you, Peter, you just keep, keep following me. Okay, you're a bit caught up on everyone else that's going to go wrong. And you know, that's a no-brainer that in this day and age. You know, you've done it, Peter. You've just denied me. You know better than them. And people are going to go wrong all around you. So don't try and look for them because you'll find they're standing right in front of you, looking at you, even telling you they're right. But what you do with expectation, just keep feeding the sheep as they want to eat, as they want to eat. And if you do love me, you'll feed them. If you do love me, you'll care for them. But they'll keep eating. And there's more than enough for them to eat. Don't look around too much. There's expectations sometimes that we put on others. We all do it. But if we're going to get crazy, see, the thing about becoming crazy for Jesus, just like it was on that first, is that you live a line, you live a line of empowerment. You live a life of empowerment where the resurrection of Jesus is just coming out of you. And you're living that life and you're becoming crazier. And the hardest thing is that when you become crazier, everyone else seems to be normal. And you start living on a line, on an edge. And if you can understand this, and maybe some of you don't, where some people think you're living out of works, when really you're living out of grace. Because you're empowered for the resurrection of Jesus, you see? And everyone, everyone thinks, well, you don't have to be like him. And, you know, he's, going, he's, just, he's just too full on. And everyone thinks, but you're living out of a life where you just want to give. And you want, because you want the life of God, you want to just keep giving it out and giving it out. And people are going to start looking at you. And you're even going to start looking at them and going, well, he'll betray you. And he, he's just gone normal and he's not. And that's going to that's happen. But God's just going to say to you, you know what? Just keep giving out of grace. Just keep empowering others. As it flows through you, as the resurrection of God's life flows through you, just keep giving it out. Keep giving it out. Just put on those new clothes, which are going to give out mercy forgiveness, tenderheartedness, gentleness when you speak to each other. You learning that one? Huh? That's a hard one, isn't it? You know, when we speak to each other, when we talk to each other about gentleness, I'm learning that one. The only lucky thing I've got is I've got four kids to practice on. You know? No, don't do that. Oh, sorry. No, don't do that. Gentleness. I'm learning it. Might have taken me 20 years, but I'm, I'm getting there. And you're living on the edge because you're becoming crazy, just like these guys. Real crazy. And I, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what God's doing in your heart. But if you haven't come to that place where Christianity is a little bit crazy and nutsy for you, then there's most probably a few things that you've got to die to. You've got to let go. You've got to just say, I don't worry. Don't worry about that. Because if you want to look into the, to the, into the tomb and see the resurrected Lord and see that he is alive, then you're going to have to step out 
of your comfort zone and you're going to have to step into that tomb. You're going to have to do some crazy stuff. I left New Zealand. That was crazy. Who would want to leave all those sheep? <laughs> I left my family. I left my friends. And, and you know, when, but when God lets you see into the kingdom, you, you, all you do is put your hands up and worship and praise. That's all you do. And when you get to worship with others that have been crazy, we go, whoa, this, this is awesome. This is not crazy. This is the resurrected power of Jesus. Amen? And I want us to see that crazy is normal in God's life. I mean, come on. Who dies on the cross and then comes back to life three days later, man? That's just nuts. Who lets his own people beat him for doing nothing wrong? Why didn't he just shut up and confess, no, I've said the wrong thing, don't stone me. No, he decides to keep his mouth shut and go, well, who do you say I am? He lets them whip him. And then he goes to the grave and he comes back to life. And he lives in the spirit. And he says to us that we should not run after the flesh, but we should run after the spirit. Crazy. Don't run after the physical, but let our eyes see the spiritual. Nuts. But precious in the eyes of God. Because it's His world and His ways and not ours. Let's stand and let's pray and thank the resurrected Saviour. Lord, I, I just, I want to just give you praise this morning. Oh, you're so awesome. God, you've given us life, amen? amen. And we're not going to die. We're going to spend eternity with you, Amen. And we're going to build our kingdom so that when we get to heaven, God, our kingdom's going to be a big house. There's going to be lots of love and there's going to be lots of everything that we ever wanted because we built your kingdom on earth. And God, I pray that we would do crazy things for you, that we would run to you every time we get the opportunity, that we would outrun every other Christian and say, I got it first. You missed out, but there's more to get. God, that we would have great expectations for you to do great things. That, God, we would have great experiences for you to do great things. That we won't hold back, but we would influence our world and our community, God, because you are alive and we want to praise you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wow. I keep praying all day. I could keep praising all day. 
Father God, your son is so worth it. It was so worth it. And Lord, your life is a life of faith. It's a life of blessedness. It's a life of beauty. And we lift you up. And we know there's nothing we could do that would ever, ever outdo what you've done. But you know what? We'll do only what you want us to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Have a coffee. Have a coffee.